Calling Podcast brought to you by <clears throat> MassSports.com, your home for Orioles and National Baseball. Hey, those fans, welcome to this week's edition of Yard Work. Uh, alongside Steve Molesky, I'm Brian Eller. Steve, um, I know you just got back from a long West Coast trip. How were uh, how were all things at West? Man, it was interesting, Brian. It was you know new experiences for me. I'd never been to the city of Seattle, and I'd never been to either of the ballparks. So it was kind of nice to to see those facilities. Seattle wasn't very good to the Orioles, although I enjoyed seeing Safeco Field. And um, Los Angeles was a lot better, and um, you know, let, they left it on a high note. I mean, that's really a gutty performance over 14 innings and five and a half hours to to get that win. And the Oriole bullpen just refused to yield. I mean, that that's the lasting impression of the road trip is um, that you just kept getting big out after big out. I mean, if you're the Dodgers, you lost that game feeling like, my God, we had 10 chances to win and we just couldn't do it, and the Orioles wouldn't let them do it. Right. It's funny, I mean, we our last episode was two weeks ago, and within that two weeks, there were so many extreme ups, ups and downs. You know, they, they finished the homestand against the Rays, they got the four-game sweep, then they swept the Padres on the road, thought it was a good start to the trip, and then they get swept in Seattle, and they end up taking two or three from the Dodgers. So when you step back and kind of look at that that whole kind of landscape, an uh, eight and five record still a positive note, it's Sometimes it's hard to keep it in balance because when you have a, 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 especially when you get swept by a team, it seems like the walls are just crumbling down, you know, and all the problems just rise to the surface. But in reality, um, they they actually had a, a pretty solid couple of weeks, and like you said, they ended it on that high note. Um, do you feel like that win against the Dodgers at 14 innings does that does that mean a little bit more than just a, a regular you know Wednesday afternoon win because of how long it took to get it there? Uh, the thing about baseball is, in the moment, when you're sitting there watching that game and it gets longer and longer and longer, it just feels bigger and bigger and bigger that you don't want to lose this. You've been here five hours. All that's happened. My gosh, Dylan Bundy was great. Trumbo homered twice. The bullpen's getting big outs, turning big double plays. Now win the game somehow, and they did. And so it feels, in the moment, like the biggest win of the year, one of them. And then, But, but tonight... Shoemaker, who was giving the Orioles trouble, could pitch a three-hit shutout, and all of a sudden, that that seems like it was a month ago. So, right. baseball's momentum—it's a cliche that it's the next day starting pitcher, but it is because you don't. Football and baseball are so different. Football—you can kind of ride the momentum of a big win for a week, and now you now you come out of the tunnel, roaring and ready to go. And baseball—it just it's two two games are coming too fast. So, every time you think certain thing creates momentum, it, it may not, but. Um, it still was important to win. It, it, it gave them a lift into an off day. And I mean, after they lost the first game in Los Angeles, I went and I looked back at the previous road trip to the West Coast, uh, which included Cleveland at the end. And they went four and five, which was respectable. Right. And so I said to myself, self, if they can win these last two games, they'll be four and five on this West Coast trip, which would be respectable. And they did. So that is respectable. Absolutely. <laughs> so they've been clean, cleaning up at home and holding their own a couple games under on the road. And uh, that will serve him well if that continues over the long haul. Absolutely. You mentioned the, the bullpen really just kind of shining. We we seem to spend so much time talking about the starting pitching woes. And, um, you know, that again, that still the inconsistencies are there. But you mentioned Dylan Bundy. I mean, just how nice is it to kind of see him really find his his niche and just be get those, you know, productive outs when, when called upon? Well, I mean – not only does the kid have talent, but he's got guts and poise, and I saw that as, as far back as 2012 when I covered about half his starts that year, it seems like, in the minor leagues at various levels. And 
And fans have asked me over the years about Bundy, and I've said repeatedly, the talent is there. If this kid can get health to match talent, he'll be okay and just right. be patient. And it took so long, and then he had the shoulder set back that fans, I think some gave up on him ever being a contributing factor. But, of course, the team didn't. Too much time and money invested. And, Dylan, and, the, and the, the person who handled this the best was Dylan Bundy. Uh, and I said to him the other day, I have to say to you how through all this long rehab, you never tired of any of my questions. And I, I don't think anyone's asked him more questions about his rehab and comeback than me over the years. And never once has the kid said, gee, Steve, you got another topic? We're talking about my elbow again? Um, he just answered, and, and he never got – I never saw him get down. I never left him one day and go, man, it's finally getting to the kid. He's finally tired of – 10 straight months of rehab. He never got down. I don't know what in him allowed him to stay upbeat and keep pushing forward, but he did. And so the end product, we're starting to see it. And so my fingers, Brian, are crossed as hard as I've ever can cross them for this kid because he deserves health and a good career, and he's worked hard for what's happening. And so in Dodger Stadium the other day, I said to one of the other reporters, I watched this kid dominate the minors in 2012, and that's what I saw. He looked, he looked like that, and I don't even think he had his, some of his best secondary pitches, but he can be really good, and he wants to be really good, and it's clear that Buck sees it too, and they're handling him the right way um, to make sure they have him for many years to come. Right, and I mean, with the immediate success, you know, fans are always looking to say, okay, what's next? Uh, he was, I thought, to be a starter, um, you know, early on, but like you said, ran into the health issues there. Obviously, that, that could still be the goal is to have him in the starting rotation, but I guess if you're Buckshaw Walter, Dan Duquette, um, I, I would think you, you, you don't, you don't fix what's not broken right now. You just kind of let him be that, that anchor of a long man uh, when needed and, and be another good asset in the bullpen, at least for now, before even thinking about moving into the rotation. I, I don't just don't, I mean, it's just this question won't, be go away. I mean, it's just people just ask and ask and ask. Right. And I think, I think nothing has changed except I will say I think Buck, uh, Buck keeps floating it out there, and I think that's where the fans are getting it because Buck the other day said it's not a matter of uh, if it's when, and but to me, did he mean when next year or when this year? And if it is this year that he starts, I just don't think it'll be a regular in the rotation. I don't think we'll see a day where they say, Dylan's our number four guy and he's pitching every five days. Because if, if, if he has this innings limit, he, the math doesn't add up to do that. And for the Orioles to now change the plan now because, oh, he's throwing well, so now we're going to risk it. That, that doesn't, that's just not smart. You can't do that to this kid. And so, uh, I I don't think it's going to happen. I don't. I think he could make a couple starts, whether it's next week, next month, September, postseason. But for him to have that, they have to massage and manage the innings as they're doing. Yeah, Buck seems to have a, a nice little habit of dangling that those uh, those little one liners out there to, to keep fans. <laughs> I think he's getting answers from reporters too, and I think Dylan Bundy might have started tonight, the Friday night Angels game, had he not pitched. I mean, he went 14 innings, so they had to use everybody. Right. Um, uh, and so he he would have had six or seven days rest by tonight had he not pitched. And so, but they're seeing such a return for giving him the four or five days between outings that the the stuff is playing up. The velocity is dramatically better from earlier in the year when he was pitching uh, more frequently, less innings. And so, um, 
it's a good thing, man. He's impacting games in a positive way. I mean, the the the, the bases loaded, three O County comes back to get the strikeout. That was one of the outs of the year for me. Absolutely, absolutely. And um, I know uh, they just Orioles just talked earlier about it. Minutes we'll start tonight's game against the Angels, so we'll see. Um, short leash for him again. It's, it's been a, a forgettable year for him. Still same starting pitching woes, and I, I guess. Buck seemed like his post-game comments, especially during the series in Seattle, he was getting a little bit more. His his frustration was was kind of becoming a little bit more transparent, um, you know, during some of the post-game interviews about having to make a change and, and thinking about things. Um, we're getting in July, so the trade deadlines all, you know, that those rumors were heating up. Is there anybody that's expendable, uh, you know, for the Orioles to trade? Let's say they go and try to acquire a, a frontline pitcher. Um, you know, is there anybody, is it worth taking some of that power out of lineup? I've heard people say, hey, let's trade Trumbo, you know, but I, I, I'm not crazy about that idea. But is there is there any feeling that you get that somebody might be expendable to put together a trade to, to get a starting pitcher? I, I think um, almost anybody is. I mean, Manny Machado is probably not going to be traded. Right. I don't think Bundy's going to be traded. I don't think Scope is going to be traded. <clears throat> but, I mean, if you really, it, it, first of all, is there anybody going to be giving up a number one or two starter? And if there is, then you, you're not going to get that with just a couple of prospects, I don't think. You're going to need, if you're, Brian, if you're trading a one or two starter, you, you're going to tell your fans, well, we got three kids who one day could be good. We just gave, we just gave up an 18 game winner. No, you better say, we got Jonathan Scope. He's going to hit 30 home runs every year for us at second base. And so, are the Orioles going to trade that? I don't think so. So we're back, we're back to where we are, this, you know, same old cycle that to get that pitcher that everybody wants, you're going to have to give up something that's going to bother you as a fan. You're going to go, oh, my gosh, I traded him. Right. But that's what it takes. You have to give up something really good to get something really good. <clears throat> if you want Scott Feldman type to come in and see if he can help, you might be able to get that, you know, that kind of a pitcher, that mid-rotation guy. And so uh, my stance is why not see what, Despagne could do, or Chris Lee when he gets healthy, or David Hess, or Joe Gunkel on the farm. Uh, I'd almost rather look at them than trade something for a three or four. Maybe trading Trumbo gets you better than a three or four, and that's something to consider because he'll probably be gone at the end of this year. Might have the year he's having, he's going to command more dollars probably than they're willing to pay. So his name, he he can be floated. He's one guy that. If you're not, you're not going to trade your future, your future being Scope, Machado, Gosman, guys like that, then to trade something good might be trading a guy who's having a great year now who's a rental player to the team acquiring him. Right, and let's not forget this, this team is in first place. You know, they're not, they're not sitting at the bottom of the AL East. You know, they're, they're, they're winning games when, when they need to, and they're keeping pace. Now Toronto and Boston are kind of nipping at their heels there, but... They right. for now, like, I agree with you. This isn't, this isn't any kind of panic and do something rash. When it comes to a Trumbo trade, if he's traded for a mid-rotation guy who might help, that doesn't work for me because he's one of the best home run hitters in the game. And I'm going to get a pitcher who I might help us? No. I don't, I, who might be good but might not? What if the pitcher they acquire has a five-and-a-half ERA and they gave up Mark Trumbo with the year he's having? Uh, I... That doesn't work for me. So if it's just a guy, maybe he can help us. Let's give up Trumbo. I'm not. I'm against that trade. Maybe. Uh, uh, yeah, I, I'm totally agreement with that. Especially because Trumbo plays every day or almost every day. You know, and you're right. getting his production 
every day, especially in, in a hitter's park like Camden Yards, that's that's invaluable. People say, well, our power is so good, we can afford to lose him. Well, maybe the power is so good because you have a guy like Trumbo in the lineup, and all of a sudden he goes, and now the team might uh, might not be have as much power. So, yeah, I agree with you. I don't think, um, you know, just because he's having a good year and is a free agent at the end of the year that he needs to all of a sudden be this uh, really attractive trade bait, you know. Um, so I wanted to ask you, Steve, about one thing that I've kind of noticed is, and without calling Captain Obvious so quickly, you know, when starters, the young guys, Mike Wright, the Tyler Wilsons, uh, even some of the older guys, TJ McFarland, when they're up in, in the big league level, they obviously struggle as a starter. They're very inconsistent. Um, and then they oftentimes, you know, get optioned down to AAA. And when we see the, the minor league report come up, you know, during those broadcasts, if Mike Wright had a start or McFarlane had a start, their numbers are, are are great, you know. And of course, there's going to be a difference between pitching in AAA versus pitching in the majors, of course. Uh, but it seems like it, it's very drastic, you know. I pulled just for you know grinning and giggles Mike Wright's numbers this year. Up in the big leagues, he's three and four. His ERA is over six. He's pitched 64 innings, and down in AAA, he's one and zero with a .87 ERA over 20 innings given up only two earned runs. I mean, Steve, you have a good history of covering the minor leagues as well as the majors. Is there really that big of a difference in terms of that talent when, between AAA and the majors? Well, I think in the case of Mike Wright, you have a lot at work here. Um, and you could go back and look at Mike Wright's AAA numbers before this latest stint, and he was dominant then, too. Uh, and over like 20 starts, over one or two years, I mean, the guy's AAA numbers were really good. And so I think he goes there and he knows um, I can do it here. So there's an instant confidence level that hits, instant comfort level that hits, um, and you know he kind of gets some things straightened out. And so that what you hope is that the whatever happened well for him, he can translate it the next time he's in the big leagues and he comes back and he thinks I got to reboot. Sometimes the minor league stint, Brian, is, a, is just a you get a step away. You get, you just get out of the rat race of the pressure of the big leagues. You get off the, the roller coaster for a minute. You just kind of get to get your feet on the ground and catch your breath and say, okay, here's, I'm start, here's a reboot. I'll start over. I'm good. Everything's fine. And I think that's kind of what maybe this was, hopefully, for Mike. But the competition level, I mean, it is. I mean, Buck will tell us that the guy batting, uh, you know, eighth in the big leagues tonight hit fourth in AAA last night. And that, that's, what, that's how it's such difference. The guys who hit fourth there hit eighth here, and uh, we see it. And, um, you know, they, the pitch that the major league hitter will take two inches off the plate, a triple-A hitter might ground out to shortstop and, you know, things like that. A pitch that a major league hitter will foul off to stay alive in the at-bat, a triple-A hitter might pop up to shortstop. So all these things can make the differences. And um, with, with Mike, I just really think it's it's, a, it's command, it's delivery, it's a mindset, it's a comfort level. And there, it, there might come a time when he finds that at this level and he has a chance to be good, or it could take a change of role. It could be that he goes to the bullpen and it, and it works out for him. But the talent level, we've seen it with the times with Mike, too, um, just needs to find consistency. And uh, I thought he'd get to start tonight, but they're going back to Ubaldo, and Mike, I assume he'll be activated and be moving to the bullpen for the weekend. Sure. What made you lean towards right for the start? Because Ubaldo gave up six runs again last time sure. out, and I just think he's getting more chances than his performance has earned him. 
And, I mean, this is the nicest guy on the team, the easiest guy on the team to root for. It pains me to ever say anything negative about a ball, though, but the, you, you, you can't help but say things that are not flattering because he has he's just pitched so poorly. He's hurt the team. He says his own words, and he's right about that. And so you always worry that he's going to blow up. And so one thing about tonight's specific game is maybe Mike Wright, who's supposed to start last night, he could be first man up quick. I mean, I don't know if Buck, if Buck sees the bad Ubaldo, as we call it, early on, I don't know if he's going to sit around and watch it get to five or six nothing. I mean, he just, with the ball, though, he, he's, he has not earned the right to have a longer hook anymore. He's earned the right, unfortunately, to have a quick hook. And Mike Wright is ready to go. So he, he could almost be like a second starter in this game, you know? Absolutely. We'll, we'll hope for the best and see what, see what comes tonight. Um, let's kind of switch gears a little bit in terms of just baseball news. The All-Star selections came out. Orioles are going to be well-represented. Um, Manny Machado, uh, the only starter for the Orioles at, at third base. Uh, but he'll be joined by Mark Trumbo, Matt Weider, Zach Britton, and Brad Brock. Uh, so just, I guess, overall thoughts on, on the All-Star. We'll get to some questions about whether Tillman and, and Jonathan Scope and Chris Davis should have been there. But I guess for the five Orioles that are going, that's a that's a pretty good honor and a nice representation for the Orioles to have in San Diego. Very nice. Um, you know, the most they ever had, as far as I can tell, going through the media guide records, was 1970. They had seven. And I think one or two or three times they had six. So five is really a good number. And, and the Orioles have had 20 players uh, since 2012. I mean, that's like third in baseball. So that's very good number for the organization. And it's like uh, Zach Britton says, it shows that we're – We've turned the corner as an organization. We're winning franchise now. We produce good players. We produce wins. And that's a great thing to see. And uh, five is a really good number. I, I, I had a hard time seeing them get <clears throat> more than that. Somebody said the Red Sox have six. That's the most either in the league or the majors. So the Orioles are right there with everybody else. And, I mean, every each each of the five, very deserving. Right. Absolutely. And I, I kind of like the balance between you got three hitters, two pitchers, you know, so it's not – uh, you know, this is such a power-driven team, uh, but also uh, it boasts, you know, some one of the top bullpens. So it was very nice to see kind of the mix of, of different players going. Yeah, definitely. It's 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 um, you know, even though this five-game losing streak, I mean, there was panic in the streets on my blog. I mean, people were ready to jump right. jump off a little ledge, and so. <clears throat> but the bigger picture, again, as we talked about on the show a lot, is that they're 14 games over. They're in first place. That we've passed the halfway point. The All Star break's coming, <clears throat> and so the fruits of their labor to get nearly 50 wins to this point is that a lot of guys have done a good job, and uh, we'll see them in San Diego. Absolutely. Were you? When it comes to Brad Rock, I think it's the the selection that really makes me very happy, just because you know it, it was if there was any one guy that might get overlooked just based on his position, and they talk about he kind of has a a lack of a defined role, you know, with that kind of setup guy. But um, it was very nice to, to to see him get selected, and he's having a, a sensational year. He is. And, I mean, you know, um, not for an interview, but one or two players in that clubhouse told me, if this guy doesn't get picked, man, I'm going to be so ticked off. Because okay. they looked at the numbers and they said, there isn't anybody better. If you pick six or seven relievers, he's one of those six or seven. He belongs there, and so um, I know there was some criticism of his selection, but to me, the All-Star team, okay, the fans can vote in who they want, so they can vote in stars who may not be deserving, and, and sometimes they do, and that's their right. But then when you have the picks that are not voted in, that are supposed to be based on merit, to me it should be your first half of this year. 
if you had an ADRA last year, but your ERA is 050 this year, you should be in the game. Because this year, you're an all-star. And Brad Brock, by the way, did not have an 8RE last year. He had a great ERA. He's been really good for much longer than 2016, as Oriole fans well know. And he earned it. O'Day earned it last year. And I wrote a blog recently where I compared O'Day 2015 and Brock 2016, and it's almost identical. And he's pitching at Darren O'Day's level, which is incredibly high. And he's earned the right to be there. And he, he didn't get there because he's a nice guy. He got there because he throws three-plus pitches. His stats are tremendous. And as Zach Britton said, he hasn't been good. He's been dominant. And so good for Brad Brock at age 30 to make it for the first time. Absolutely. And I, I think I think all fans, I think every team could could have a legitimate gripe and say, hey, well, what about these guys that didn't make it on the team? The Orioles, again, no exception. I, I think when we when you look at – uh, you know, if there are any quote unquote snubs out there for, from the Orioles, you look at Chris Tillman having a great season, Jonathan Scope again having a great year, and Chris Davis, who's, uh, you know, his typical home run powers coming in. Is, were any of those three non invites, I guess, uh, surprising to you at all? Like, obviously, you can't have everybody there, but uh, did any of those kind of make you raise your eyebrow? Uh, I mean, Tillman had the wins, but I mean, here we, here we, we don't value wins to the level we once did. For pitchers, because we know so many things are out of their control, and so if a pitcher like Felix Hernandez one year has 12 wins, he can still win the Cy Young. Uh, so uh, you can't just say Tillman has 11 wins, he should be in. And I think the three-start stretch that Chris had before his last start kind of took him from being firmly in to on the bubble. And that may have opened the door for Brad Brock, I don't know. But... um so they picked Kluber yesterday, and some fans, some people pointed out to me that Tillman's stats are right there with Kluber, and they, they are in some categories and some, and some they aren't. And I mentioned that in the blog this morning. But, I mean, so uh, I think Tillman understood that he was sort of on the bubble, could go either way, and Chris Davis was probably on the bubble. And Scope, for as good a year as he's had, so many good second basemen. So I don't, I don't have a major problem with any of the three, and I, I, I do look in the big picture here again that five is a really good number for the Oriole organization. Absolutely. And, and like I said, second base especially, it's nice to see Scope kind of coming into his, in his own there, but, boy, you want to talk about a position that is full of talent. I mean, at, at this AL second baseman, are, are, that's, a tough, that's a tough position to be at the top of. So That is, but he's going to be, he's going to be at or near the top of him, and probably Absolutely. is now. If he's not now, it's, that day is coming, and we can clearly see with this kid – um, he's taken steps forward, man, and and his his All Star Day is coming. It's just not this year, but it's coming. Absolutely, very close. So, and then um, Mark Trumbo will compete in Monday's Home Run Derby. This is actually the uh, fourth year in a row where there will be an Oriole competing in the Derby. So that's nice. The Orioles have a pretty good representation. I, just uh, on a on a personal level, I always like to see an Oriole player. Uh, compete in the Derby. It's nice to give a little rooting interest to, to watching the event. I always try to check it out. Um, I know the one big concern or gripe that fans usually have is that, uh, you know, the players that compete with the Norman Derby, it messes up their swing, their production numbers drop. Um, I kind of took a, a little, I'm going to hit you with some numbers here, Steve. Over the last couple of years, Machado was in last year's Derby, and he hit 19 home runs before the the All-Star break and 16 after, so a slight dip, but I would still say relatively even. Adam Jones was in the Derby the year before. He hit 16 home runs before the break, 13 after, so again, a slight dip, but I don't really see that big of a change. The biggest change was, um, if you remember Chris Davis back in 2013, that year he had 
uh, 53 home runs on the season. 37 of them were before the All-Star break and only 16 after. But I'm not huge on the idea that competing in a home run derby one night is going to ruin you for the rest of the year. Um, the numbers don't really seem to, to screen that out. Um, but what are your thoughts on, on Trumbo being in the derby? I, I like it. I like to watch the Memorial try to go and compete for some hardware. No, I think it's great, and it was clear in his comments uh, last couple of days that he wants to do it. He was he was one of the he was he didn't win it, but he was like the head of the show in 2012 because he had massive bombs. Right. Uh, got Chris Berman got to yell back 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 till his voice uh, was lost, right. I think. And Trumbo's going to do that again because he hits big bombs. He hits those Trump bombs. I mean, that's why I got that name. And so uh, he's the perfect guy for this. And the other thing about Trumbo that people may not realize, he is a real student of hitting. This guy is not going to get out of his lane because he takes a few hacks to hit home runs for a couple minutes on Monday night. He's a student of the game. He knows what he needs to do to be well. He's got his routine. Um, he he just uh, – it's not going to affect Mark Trumbo. If it does, I'll be shocked. Uh, I just think he's a perfect guy for this. It'll be fun to watch him. He'll have fun. He deserves that spotlight because he's leading the major leagues in home runs. Okay, Chris Bryant is is right there with him. He's this this kid that everybody's fawning over. He's out homered Chris Bryant. Or, there, or what are they? I think he's one ahead of him, maybe. Twenty six to twenty five. Yeah. So I mean, this guy this guy's been the best home run hitter in the game. He deserves to be the number one seed and get to get in this thing and for the world for one night to watch the great year he's had and that's. That's what to me. That's part of what the All Star Game is. It's it's let the world see. I mean, we're going to see players from all teams. We're going to go, man. I didn't know he was that good. And so I think most of these Oriole players, they you know people know about Manny and they know this Britain. They know these guys by now. But Trumbo, he's having a great year. So let him have fun. And uh, man, let's see him win the thing. Absolutely. He's the number one seed. He'll go up against uh, Corey Seager from the Dodgers, I think, in that, the new bracket-style format, which I kind of like, Steve. I, I made the derby go a little bit faster, but it didn't feel rushed. I uh, I enjoyed last year's format, so we'll see um, if they can repeat that success this year. So, Yeah, it'll uh, so, be fun. I think it will be. I, I like it better, too. You're right, where it's not league against league. And I noticed there's only, I believe there's only three American leaguers of the eight. Right. So what? Right. It's Seager, what a great talent. We got to see him for three days, and, man, that kid – if it was about overall talent, Seager might win that one-on-one matchup because he's so good uh, over his overall game. But, I mean, just about hitting the ball out of the park, Mark Trumbo can match up with just about anybody right now. Absolutely. And on MLB Network this morning, I think Billy Ripken, they were making predictions for it. They said, I think the winner of the Trumbo-Seager match in the first round is going to win the whole thing. If Seager can upset Trumbo, he might go all the way. And But he's uh, Trumbo's number one seed for a reason. So we'll see. Uh, it'll be nice to watch uh, um, that display of power all night on Monday night. So um, so just looking forward to getting the three-game series with the Angels pretty brief before the All-Star break. I know the Orioles are ready for the All-Star break. I know you're ready for the All-Star break, Steve. We'll have a couple days. I'm uh, ready, man. Off day. First one in months. Woohoo! First one in months. So we'll <laughs> see how that goes again. Um, Orioles are holding on to first place by two games over Toronto. They're pretty hot right now. Boston's three back, but the Angels are definitely scuffling this year. They've had some pitching woes as well, so We'll see if the Orioles can uh, end on a high note going into the All-Star break. So, um, Steve, you got anything else for me? Nope. Just should be a fun. I mean, this is going to be a fun weekend. And, Brian, I'm really looking forward to the, the celebration of 1966. Uh, so right. Even at old Goober as myself, I was still well, – that was before my time. I was born, but I was too young to remember it. But I certainly know those players. And that was the first – 
ever World Series in Baltimore, and the Orioles really got good. They moved to town in 54. They started winning a little bit in 60. They were a good team in the early 60s, and then they upset the Dodgers, and that's going to be great. And then the Manny Gnome Saturday and then Sunday to wrap up the first. I mean, it's a big weekend at the yard. I think we're going to have hot weather, big crowds. Hopefully the Orioles play well and send this uh, send us all off into the All-Star break on a fun, uh, happy, uh, great weekend. Absolutely. This is this is baseball at best, the dog days of summer, the the oppressive heat there. Uh but getting to see you get a nice tribute to the, the six six team and getting a little man, you know. So make sure you come out to the ballpark if uh if you're on the fence about it. So Steve will sign off for this week. Um enjoy uh the series this weekend and hopefully enjoy the all star break as well, man. Thanks, Brian. We'll see you later. Right. Take care.